You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And this week it is episode 226. And it's one of our sponsored episodes where a listener of the show has decided to kick me in the ass and say, hey, dipshit, play this game. And Alundra. For the original PlayStation is the game that this dipshit had to play. It's an action RPG. It is... <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a ripoff of Link to the Past because it's not. But it is It is very Link to the Past inspired. And frankly, I never would have heard of it had it not been for listener Timmy the Exuberant Turtle putting it in front of my good eye. And I'll tell you, kids, I'm, I'm glad he did. I don't think it's perfect. I don't like it nearly as much as I like The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Uh, but damned if it's not a really solid game. So many PS1 and Nintendo 64 games are those Lego block polygon people. And, you know, let's be honest. They they look cool back then, but they're Adam Blank ugly by today's standards. And this is not one of them. Alundra is a 2D game. It looks like an SNES Genesis era game on steroids. And uh, I'm all about it. Frankly, I, I'll be honest. I wish the entire PS1 Nintendo 64 generation 
had been games like this. And I know I'd be sacrificing a couple games I really love in exchange for that, but like those 2D games with the better, you know, like as much as I don't love Castlevania Symphony tonight, that game looks stunning. This one is along those lines. It just, it looks so good. It's got a great story, incredible graphics, cool puzzles. The platforming is hit and miss. It's got a nice world to explore that needs a fucking map. The combat leaves a little something to be desired. I've got a lot to say about this, as does Timmy the Exuberant Turtle, the listener that sponsored this episode. He's going to swing by the podcast and explain why this game is so near and dear to his heart, and then I'm going to steal my mic back and ramble about the PS1 hidden gem. Uh, is it? Yeah, I'll call it a hidden gem. I don't know if it's... Yeah, I'll go with that. I'm going to ramble about the hidden gem that is Alundra, and we'll get to all that in just a minute, because speaking of gems that are hidden, it's time for another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. If you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Consider this your warning. Our intros are kind of fun, but they're fun. They're a lot of fun, and they're not nearly as confusing as the fucking overworld on a Lundra can be. Uh, but if you do want to skip it, uh, go about 30 minutes up the road, and you'll hear some music, and you'll get into a Lundra talk. We have merchandise. I got to do my plugs. That's how we, how do we say it? That's how we keep the bills on around here. I got to do my plugs. We have merchandise, all kinds of stuff, hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, posters, all, all incredible, rocking uh, beautiful art that was all drawn by my man Joe from 4545creative.com. You can find all of our merch at rememberthegamepodcast.com. If you're interested, it is a phenomenal way to support the little guy and support the show. And of course, if you don't like clothes, I get it. Uh, you can always just support us on Patreon. It's about the greatest bargain in the history of the universe. For just two bucks a month, you get two additional shows every single week. You get exclusive access to my gaming news podcast, Game Patch, every Friday, where I look at all the biggest news in modern video games, and I add in my opinions and some profanity and stuff in there. And you also get access to Expansion Pass that drops every Thursday, and it's a different show every week. We do game rankings, console rankings. We look back at franchises and characters and consoles, and there's some comedy episodes. There's a ton of spoiler-free modern game reviews sitting over there. Uh, this past week on Expansion Pass, it was, Adam, have you ever played? Because every week, I get a ton of comments from listeners asking if I've ever played a particular game. So I worked through a whole bunch of them for Expansion Pass last week, over 100. Uh, it actually turned out to be a really fun episode, in my opinion. One of the longer Expansion Passes that we've ever done, too. So uh, as is becoming tradition here during the intro, here is a sneak peek of last week's episode of Expansion Pass. Adam, have you ever played... Uh, I got a couple of questions about PC games. I think you actually fuck. Holy shit. One, two. I mean, not all these are necessarily PC games. I think you know where most of these are going, but there might be one or two surprises for you in here. Uh, Jason Harushka wrote in and said, Hey Adam, have you ever played any of the Duke Nukem games? So I actually played the original Duke Nukem, the shitty looking shovels. What were they called? Shareware. 2d side scrolling one and i actually really liked it i like that game a lot uh but that and then i played i bought duke nukem 3d on my xbox 360 at one point but i played it for like 15 minutes and just never went back not because i thought it sucked i just never bothered going back to it so almost no but i did play the original one back in the day and quite liked it actually so that's now been added to our archives and this week for expansion pass 140 it's time to talk Sonic Frontiers. I have been playing this for a couple weeks now. I've been posted about it on social media. I'm done. I beat it. I absolutely see why it's so polarizing online as far as review go. Reviews, pardon me. Some people love it. Some people like it. Some people fucking despise it. Uh, I certainly don't love it. 
I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say as I despise it. But uh, that'll be my review that'll go live tomorrow. It'll be 100% spoiler-free, as always. And I'll tell you what I think of Sonic Frontier. So again, two bucks. Get you two additional podcasts every week, ad-free. Plus, instant access to over 250 archived bonus podcasts. Plus, you can join our Remember the Game Discord. You get a chance to vote in our Patreon poll at the end of every month. You get the ability to submit comments to be read on all of our shows. You can DM with me. And you're going to get a shout-out right here during the intro and get to hear me mispronounce your name like I'm about to do to most of these people. A huge thank you to all of our newest patrons, Kevin Atienza, Morgan Orsog, Nicholas K. Swinehart, Mike Katzberg, Gunnar Collado, Rob Mason, Johnny Regan, Hank Scorpio, Philly D, Iron Skittle, Byron Weber, Jacob Silvers, Lucas Shaman, Shamon, French Froggy, Om- Omnium Insomnium. That sounds like a fucking horror movie i like that jack tripra zach altman frosty bear northeast beats music max sandin sour goat face i looked at the trap ray love that handle and gary casson casson boy I, I feel like i'm getting worse at pronouncing people's names but either way thank you all so much for the support and welcome to remember the game industries patreon.com slash remember the game and then the only other plug i gotta drop on y'all is you can find me on twitch uh twitch.tv slash remember the game i really have no schedule i just get on there whenever i want to slash can but i will let you know i'm going to be streaming the game awards thursday night pre-show starts at 5 30 mountain i believe the actual show starts at six o'clock mountain and before you dm me or message me and be like what time is that where i live i don't fucking know i barely know what time it is where i live google it but I'll be over at twitch.tv slash member the game watching the game awards if you want to watch me watch the game awards and watch them with me and we'll talk and blah blah blah. That's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some of you by blowing in some cartridges. It is our opening segment here on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our patrons, usually gaming related, but not always. And we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows all right. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. <laughs> Let's blow our first blower this week is Rob Mason, who wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, first time blowers. I just signed up for the Patreon yesterday after months of catching up on the backlog. Welcome to the team, Rob. Thank you. Rob said, Do you give a shit about character creation at the beginning of a game? The stat allocations are cool, but from a visual standpoint, I don't really care what they look like, and I usually just use the randomizer. So I don't, but when they... Fuck, what game was it? I think it was Starfield. We were watching like a preview of a game on a stream, and I was saying they were really getting into deep into the character creation suite and i was like does anyone fucking care about this like who cares and then a whole bunch of people that were watching the stream were like hey dumbass i care i care even more i care so apparently some people really do uh i'm in the same boat as you rob i care about my stats and then i try to make my character look funny because it's always going to be named hoju and i think you know nobody that is named hoju should look serious uh but that's as far as i go now that said as much as I don't care about it, I am in favor of really deep character creation screens, assuming that they're optional because I like them for like wrestling games and stuff. When people can create wrestlers that are missing from the roster and then I can download them and fill out my roster without having to do all the work of actually creating them myself. Does anyone that plays like wrestling games remember back in the day when you used to look up guides on how to create wrestlers and then you'd have to go through each fucking step? on your system and now it's like i just go online and download them it's money so i I have no beef with deep character creation just make it optional if i want to randomize it and be done fucking let me be randomized and done that's i think i was randomized i look like i was made out of spare parts so i don't want to make myself look too good in a video game uh depitzi jr 
wrote in and said, lifelong gamer here, first time budget gamer. I've been a Sony boy all my life, minus having the SNES. And while two of my favorite games in my top three, Super Mario World and Donkey Kong Country, my... Oh, well, having, pardon me, two of my three favorite games. My aim is to get caught up with my new Nintendo games and play other titles. I've been looking at the Nintendo Switch and the Switch Lite, and someone as someone out of the loop of Nintendo and a budgeter, what's the difference between the Switch and the Switch Lite? And what catalogs can I access with either or both? I'm hoping your thoughts can weigh in on what I get with my Christmas bonus at work. Thanks, Adam. Keep up the great podcast. So what's the difference between the Switch and the Switch Lite? The only major difference is are and now to be fair i've never used the switch Lite. i've seen them i've never actually played with one myself i have like i have actually have a launch switch uh but the biggest difference is that the original switch can be docked and can be put on the television a switch light cannot and the switch light the joy cons do not come off whereas uh on the switch they they do so my understanding is that like 99.9 percent uh, can you dock a switch light? I, I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of speaking out of ignorance, but I. I want. I'm 90 sure you can. I'm sure there's people listening to this right now. They're like yelling at me, but I've never owned a switch light. I don't believe you can. Can you dock a switch light? No, it does. Okay, no, it does not. I didn't think so. Okay, uh, I didn't think so. Can you? Oh wait, can you? Oh okay, so. Uh, all right, well, let me just correct myself here. Apparently, this article says that you can dock the switch light if you buy. A third-party dock, but the original dock that comes with the Switch doesn't. So, uh, apparently, yeah, you can buy some. But anyway, all right. So, the bottom line is, out of the box, you're not docking uh, the Switch Lite. So, be aware of that. And then the other thing, like I said, is the Joy-Cons don't come off it. The Joy-Cons are, like, attached. It's part of the system. So, games like Ring Fit Adventure, uh, uh, Dance Dance... Uh, Revolution or whatever the fuck those Just Dance whatever the fuck those games are called Uh, there's a select few like I think Switch Sports you need to have the Joy-Cons separate so just keep in mind your Joy-Cons aren't coming off uh, so I don't believe you're playing those Um, I know I'm kind of maybe this sounds like a shitty answer but I don't have a Switch Lite so I can only speak to what I've seen online and what I know of it those seem to be the big differences so if you don't my, my honest opinion if you don't care about docking it Maybe save yourself some money and just get a Switch Lite played handheld. That said, the new OLED Switch that came out, which is the full-size model, has a better screen. And some people say that screen is fucking tight. And if you're only going to play handheld, it might be worth spending the bucks to get the big fancy one with the nice new OLED screen. Um, that seems to be the biggest difference. So one other thing to keep in mind is there are still some problems with Joy-Con drift and the analogs wandering and stuff. And if you buy a regular Switch with the detachable Joy-Cons, you don't have to send your whole Switch in. You just send in your Joy-Con. If you have a Switch Lite and it starts wandering on you, you're going to have to send the whole system in. So just keep that in mind. Um, sorry, it's not a better answer, but I have no experience with the Switch Lite. If you want to dock it at all, I'd recommend, or if money's no object, uh, I would recommend pulling the trigger and just getting the new one, the big OLED one. But uh, if you don't care about docking it or you're trying to save a little bit of money, the Switch Lite, I think, is just fine, especially if you're only going to play handheld anyways. That was a very long answer to a question that I wasn't even really technically in any position to answer to begin with. But that's what you get here at Remember the Game. Uh, Sauce Boss wrote in and said, Dear Santa Blank, I just listened to the Castlevania Symphony of the Night episode, and I want to say that my balls still hurt from the kick in the nuts you gave me listening to one of my all-time favorite games get pooped on. I'm sorry, I just... 
Fucking make your whole game accessible and I won't poop on it anymore. Moving on. It's Christmas time and I love playing my games in the dark next to the Christmas tree. Do you enjoy the lights on your tree colored or non-colored? Me and the girls in the house can't come to an agreement. I like the colored lights. They like the non-colored. It's a battle. I just can't seem to win. Uh, I'm a lot of you, Sauce. I'm sorry, but I'm, <laughs> I already pooped on your game and now I'm going to poop on your light. I like colored lights, but all things equal, I prefer just like the kind of warm yellow white style lights as well. I'm sorry. I know. I'm a piece of shit. For what it's worth, we don't even like, I have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree in my office and it's that little tree with one ball and no lights. So you're already ahead. And you're right. Gaming at night when it's dark and you have just the Christmas lights on, it's the best way to watch TV too. Uh, Wobbly, Wably, I'm going Wobbly, wrote in and said, hey Adam, I was wondering if you would, uh, if uh, you would ever get successful enough to remember the game. Pardon me. Okay. I'm not doing well today. I got a lot on my mind today. It's been a busy day around here away from the podcast. Hey, Adam, I was wondering if you would ever get successful enough with Remember the Game to not have to do comedy anymore, would you? Or is comedy something that lets you do something different and change up your routine? Thanks for the podcast. Let's keep up the good work. Thank you, Wobbly. You know what, man? I would say as late as a year ago, there was a time where I would say if this podcast got big enough, you'd never see me on a stand-up comedy stage again. Because I like doing stand-up, but I'm not a student of the game. I'm not passionate about it. I hate the BS that comes with comedy. It's a... Uh, it's a considering the whole industry is built around making people laugh it's the greasiest fucking business i've ever interacted with in my life that said i've been done a lot of stand live stand-up over the last few months and it's a lot of fun so i don't know if i could give it up completely i just like to get to the point where i can pick and choose when i do stand-up which i'm very fortunate to be at now thanks to all of you that's i think as far away from quit or as close to quitting altogether as i think i'm gonna get anytime soon i can just pick and choose when i want to do it now which is awesome uh so thank you to all of you for giving me that freedom i appreciate it johnny ccdc wrote in and said hey adam i'm depressed i drown myself in games often to distract myself i'm currently playing through earthbound in preparation of your show last week it's been really helpful i was wondering do you have games you call back to whenever you're down and out or are you or do you get so upset that you can't even play a game when you get at that level i'll be all right just too much stuff to be going down around this time of year well i hope you're doing all right johnny yeah you know what christmas can be a fucking stressful time just straight up it can be um, do I have games I go to when I'm down and out? Sometimes I get high and play Tetris Effect Connected because I can just turn all the lights off and listen to that music and just, oh, it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, Super Mario World is comfort food. But to be honest with you, since I started Remember the Game and I play so many games for the show now, uh, I actually find that like when I kind of not feeling good about myself, I need to just get away from gaming altogether. So I just kind of put my phone away and I don't look at, I usually just watch TV or I read or I play chess or poker. Um, I, yeah, I've kind of gotten away from games, but if I do need a game to go to when I'm depressed, it'd probably be Tetris effect connected. Cause that music is just so magical or mine, Minecraft. I haven't played Minecraft in years, but I love losing myself in that game. Ah, sweet coffee. Rush's dog walker wrote in and said, if you have to go a year without seeing Molly or Shaylee, who would you pick to stay with you? I hope they aren't listening. Uh, oh, I would pick Molly. And listen, before you all message Shaylee and be like, Adam doesn't like you. He loves Molly. Uh, my girlfriend's my favorite person on this whole planet, but I could talk to her over the phone, right? If I can't see her for a year, I can talk to her over the phone and Zoom with her and, you know, send her dick pics and stuff like that. And we're fine. Molly, if I can't see her for a year, she's just going to think I abandoned her. I can't and I won't let that happen. So that's your answer. 
Uh, Philly D said, hey, Adam, in my whole life as a gamer, I've never dove into the Final Fantasy franchise until recently. Way back when I got my PS4, I got Final Fantasy 15 and I hated it. I fucking hate that game too. But fast forward to many moons later, I bought Final Fantasy 10 on PC and played the shit out of it. I enjoyed it so much that they bought the original version of Final Fantasy 7, since I always hear about 7 and 10 being some of the best. And I love this game. I think it's no question I like it better than 10, and I can't wait to play the remake that I already have purchased and lined up. You may have mentioned it before in previous episodes. If I remember correctly, is 9 your favorite? But what are your top three Final Fantasy games? I'd like some recommendations on which one I should play next. Uh, now, again, I don't know if I'm the guy that should be answering this because I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy fan, but I've played the good ones. By far, in no particular order, my three favorite Final Fantasies are 4, 6, and 9. Uh, you know what? Maybe 4, 5, and 9. Four, so Final Fantasy 2 on the Super Nintendo is Final Fantasy 4 in the order. That and 9, those are my top two for sure. And then the third spot would either be Final Fantasy 5 Advance or Final Fantasy 6, which was Final Fantasy 3 on the SNES. So I would recommend any of those games. Just keep in mind that 5 uh, is really light on the story and more about like leveling up your characters and giving them custom jobs and stuff. Whereas 4 and 6 and 9 are all traditional story-driven Final Fantasy games, but all excellent. And you know what? I'm going to stick up for eight as well, but it's not top three. Finish all those. And then if you're still hungry, try a little bit of Final Fantasy eight because it's an acquired taste and not for everybody, but I like it. All right. And finally, before we move on, it's letter time. It's letter time. Kevin Monroe wrote in and said, hey, mate, as a 40 year old gamer with two teenage boys hogging the consoles when I am home and a FIFO job, which is Aussie slang, but simply put, it means three or four weeks of working in a remote location and then one week back home. Holy fuck. Uh, I struggle to reacquaint myself back into a gaming headspace. I would typically spend three quarters of my time off procrastinating over the games I want to play and then spend the remainder regretting that. Have you got any advice or tips to use or you use to help with the anxiety one can feel when attempting to get back into the gaming saddle? So... Uh, ad <laughs> admittedly, since I started Remember the Game, I rarely struggle with what I want to play now because you guys tell me what to play. I have such a backlog of games to play for the podcast that I, I hardly ever run into that. But I absolutely know what you're talking about. I promise you that almost everyone listening to this at some point has related to that. You sit down, you're like, I got the night off, fucking maybe the husband or the wife or whoever is out at work or out with their friends, the kids are locked in the basement or something, and you're like, I'm just going to enjoy some video games. And then you fire up your console, start flipping through your backlog, and you're like, I have no idea what to play. We've all been there, Kevin. I would say don't procrastinate. Don't spend three quarters of your time off worrying about what you're going to play. When you get a chance to play, man, excuse me, when you get a chance to play, sit down, grab a controller, fucking just go with your gut. Go with your first instinct, pick the game. And then if you get bored, close it and pick something else. But don't sit like, don't, it's like, you know, when you're at the restaurant and you're like, fuck, I really want a cheeseburger, but these chicken tacos look really good. And you're going back and forth and back and forth. Eventually, just pretend the server, pretend the waitress just came up to you and said, what do you want? And you got to pull the, just pull the trigger. Just pull the, that's the great thing. You're not locked in. It's not a long-term relationship. At any time, you can break up with the game and start another one. So don't waste your precious premium game time trying to decide what to play. Just And that goes to all of you. Just fucking listen to your gut. Pick the first game that tickles your pickle and then see what happens just go with it all right i hope that helps kevin fuck you work a lot good luck uh thank you to everybody that wrote in this week as always we got to keep the show moving so let's get into our smash it segment the official game show of remember the game industries it's play one remake one freaking erase one And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play when as it once released 
Remake 1 is a modern game. The third is a race from time forever. And as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, and this time around, I went with three other RPGs, actionish RPGs for the PS1 to stay the course with it being in a Lundra episode. We've got Star Ocean, Brave Fencer Musashi, and Dragon Valor. I know nothing of these games uh but it was a close vote one percent separated the winner and the runner-up play star ocean remake brave fencer musashi and erase dragon valor one with 24 percent of the vote that is not what i would do but let me see what a few of you had to say here and then i'll tell you what the right answer was the one and only cody said i'm gonna play dragon valor because i've never heard of it but i like dragons that's sound logic i'm gonna remake star ocean because i've never heard of it and the rules clearly state i have to remake one which means i'm gonna have to erase uh musashi that was a hard decision but ultimately i'm erasing it because I've never heard of it and quite frankly I don't even know what a Musashi is I hope I won't come to regret my decision later you know what I actually don't know what a Musashi is either I mean I understand the brave fencer but I don't know what a Musashi is either and I'm sure I'm gonna get like a dozen messages now never fucking fails people will be like oh, Musashi is actually technically a Japanese car wash or whatever the fuck it is uh, Jerry, the 3D printed Sawstrich wrote in and said, as of my writing this, 53% of you are erasing Musashi. And I just want you to be aware that 53% of you are violently wrong. Play Musashi because it was a great game that was much more lighthearted than anything else Squaresoft was putting out in the RPG market at the time. It was innovative and funny, and that's what makes it great. Remake Star Ocean, this game was intense even in 1998. So many endings and so much to do that you literally couldn't do everything in one game. I would be amazed to see what this could be given a Final Fantasy VII remake style overhaul. Dragon Valor was a nightmare mixture of poor pacing and mindless gameplay that you wouldn't expect in an RPG unless it was released near the end of the PS1's life, and this was. Gone but sat, gladly forgotten. Erase this. Oh, man. I You know what's wild? is There's a lot of people that are writing in sticking up for Dragon Valor, and you're throwing some shade while shading on their shade for shading Musashi. Jerry, the 3D-printed shade sawstrich. That's a lot of hate. Bryce Larson said, Play Dragon Valor, since I don't know what the fuck it is. Remake uh, Brave Fencer Musashi because its game mechanics are still pretty unique to, to itself, and that kind of thing will always be welcome here in 2022 when we need all the unique we can get. Erase Star Ocean because it was a B-tier RPG on a system full of S-tiers, like Legend of Dragoon, Final Fantasy 7 through 9, etc. And God knows I don't need to play another 100-hour game anytime soon. I'm not going to lie to you. I had a different reason for erasing Star Ocean, but in hearing that it's 100 hours, you just sealed its fate. I was already ready to erase it, but now you can throw another throw another log on that fire. And Phil Lencher wrote in and said, At first I was really excited for this, but then I remembered the game Dragon Valor. I would play Star Ocean because the game is still incredible and holds up to this day. I would remake Dragon Valor. I know a lot of you have never heard of it before, but I had a blast playing it when it originally came out. Choosing a wife, passing on artifacts to generation after generation to ultimately defeat the dragons. It was way out of its time. I feel that it would benefit the most from a remake, and reluctantly, I must delete Brave Frenzer Musashi this game was a blast i don't want to erase it but them's the rules you're goddamn right dems is and thank you for playing by the rules and erasing a game you don't want to erase uh, i'm going with eight percent of you and apparently a lot of you really like star ocean so you may not like my answer because i'm erasing it but i'll get into all that in just a second matt die draws had the same order that i did matt said i'm gonna I'm going based on Google searches this week. I'm going to play Brave Fencer Musashi because it looks like it has a ton of personality. I'm going to remake Dragon Valor because these graphics look like Dookie. And I'm going to erase Star Ocean because there are already too many anime people on my screen right now and I'm confused. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to do the same order. I'm going to play Brave Fencer Musashi, frankly, because it has the best case art of the three. And I'm picking by the case art this week. I'm going to remake Dragon Valor because dragons always look better in HD, right? 
Dragons are such awesome looking creatures. You don't want to see them made of fucking green Lego bricks. They need to be in HD and 4K and 60 FPS and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to erase Star Ocean, not because it's 100 hours, as some of you, uh, as somebody already said. I'm going to erase Star Ocean because while I love the stars, I'm terrified of the ocean. And anyone that thinks outer space and aliens or stuff are creepy, the ocean is so much fucking creepier. So I'm erasing Star Ocean just out of my own personal safety. Thank you to everyone that wrote in this week. What have I been playing? And then we'll get into talking to Lundra. I have been playing God of War Ragnarok. It is quite stupendous. I wish I had more time to play it, frankly. It's very, very good. I've been playing Castle Crashers to get ready for an episode of the show in the next couple of weeks. Pretty cool little game. I'm quite digging it. I finished Ape Escape last night, which is probably going to be next week's episode of Remember the Game because it was a Patreon poll winner from a month or two ago. A very cool little game as well. And for some fucking reason, I've gone back to playing Mario Strikers on the Switch, which I refused to review originally because I thought it was just so boring and not enough and i can't decide if i like it or not but for some reason i'm not playing a ton of it but i've turned it on a few times now and just plugged away and i, I don't i'm not sure why but it's not as bad as i thought it was i'm not gonna say it's good it's not it's not gamecube strikers good but it's not i don't know what's really bad it's not wii u mario tennis bad either i don't know we'll see I don't know if I'm going to review it or not. I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone there, but I have been playing a little bit of it lately. All right. Oh yeah. And of course I've been playing Alundra, which we're done with. And we're going to talk about right now. As always, I like to give you nerds a chance to sound off before I hog the spotlight. And uh, here's a few of your thoughts. Raul wrote in and said, nice. Always been wanting to play this game. So I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on it. Might give me the nudge. I need to finally play it. Also, if you did like this one, you may also like Landstalker on the Genesis. It was made by the same team. So yeah, I've heard that. I've not played Landstalker. I know it's come up many, many times in the community and people telling me I need to try it. And uh, apparently uh, Alundra was like the spiritual successor to Landstalker. So I'm more interested in Landstalker than I was three weeks ago at this point. Uh, Benzeal 9, I just hope Landstalker is a fucking map. And before you message me and say the fortune teller has the map, I know, but that's no fucking good to me once I walk away from the fortune teller. We'll get into all that in a minute. Benzeal909 wrote in and said, Alundra is an awesome game. The animation was cool. The gameplay was fun. I love PS1 RPGs. Working designs is sorely missed. They did awesome work translating games for us here in North America. I love the shiny case art on this game. I'm happy to own this game and the strategy guide. Fun fact, I think there were up to 14 different versions of the art on the game disc. I recently upgraded my membership from changing my pocket to the five spot I found in my coat. I really enjoy all your podcasts, dude. Well, thank you for the upgrade, Benzeal. Uh, you're upgraded tier. And uh, I love the passion. I don't think I like this game enough to track down 14 different versions of the disc. <laughs> but uh, I, I appreciate, I, I, love the, I love the heart. It's a, it is a cool little game. I, I, like, I like more than I hate about this game. Uh, I looked at the Trap Ray, which is fucking, what an outstanding Oh my God. Yes. Have some, what an outstanding fucking handle. Uh, I looked at the trap Ray wrote in and said, I tried this one back in the day and always thought it looked similar to a link to the past. Everyone I know has played it swears. It's excellent though. Just when I tried it, it was in a time of my life where I had little time for games. And this game takes a lot of fucking time and it is very, there is, it is, it is linked to the past's cousin at worst. It is very linked to the past at times. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. Uh, Dark Skywalker said, what a great game. One of the best PS1 RPGs, not only from Square. This is, or one of the best PS1 RPGs, not from Square. Pardon me. This is one of the games that helped the PS1 to have an RPG library almost as epic as the SNESs. Do we, someday we'll do an episode where we just debate the PS1 RPG library against the SNES RPG library. I'm just dreading it because the RPG nerds will come out in groves like a fucking field of zombies with goddamn 20-sided dice and character cards just like, 
Normal Normie is going to have the last word. Wrote in and said, still to date, the best top-down action RPG whose title doesn't begin with the letter Z. Working designs translated a bunch of quality Japan releases we wouldn't have seen stateside otherwise. The Lunar series is another prime example. This game exuded quality in every aspect as one would know if they were fortunate enough to land a copy. As for the game itself, I could sum it up as Link to the Past on steroids. I actually played both for the first time around the same age, so I have nostalgia for both. Without that, I feel most would say Link to the Past is superior, but objectively comparing the two, many would find a Alundra just does everything Link to the Past does better. While Alundra is clearly inspired by its predecessors, by no means a ripoff or clone, everything from including a jump command to a bevy of increasingly difficult puzzles to the plot and music have a soul all of its own. If you can get your hands on a copy and have about a dozen or so hours to invest into one of the more underappreciated jams from the PS1 library, you should play this game as it stands up today. I have a feeling that our host, Mr. Blank, will mostly agree. I will disagree that it's fucking 12 hours. It took me almost 40 and I couldn't beat the final boss. But that's because I kept getting lost in that fucking overworld that needs a map and it doesn't have it and it won't be forgiven for it but other than that no it's it's a, i like link to the best better but i think it's a pretty decent game as does timmy the exuberant turtle the hot dog that sponsored this episode so first here's what we're gonna first we're gonna talk to timmy we're gonna find out why he loves this game so much that i'm gonna tell you why i both like and somewhat hate this game at the same fucking time before we do all that we're gonna queue up some alundra music and when it stops, we will talk about the Forsetta Luncha, which originally released in North America on the PS1 on January 8th, 1998. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Let's go. All right. So as I'm sure I said during the intro of this episode that hasn't yet been recorded, uh timmy you're getting a peek behind the the podcast this all gets done before the intro is like the window dressing that's the last part uh this is one of our sponsored episodes well are, are uh, one of many that i'm slowly fucking catching up on so thank you to all of you for being patient and this week we're talking alundra for the ps1 and the sponsor this week is the one and only do, would you like to be called timmy the exuberant turtle in fact i insist you got it timmy the exuberant turtle timmy how are you my friend i'm terrific thank you you know so much for asking Holiday time. It's a it's a good time. It's a good it sure time. Sure is. I love this time of year, man. Christmas oh, is one hundred percent. Um, now before now, I want to know why you picked the Lund- because I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Had you not brought a lunge up to me, I don't think I ever would have heard of this game. I do nothing of it. Literally, why that is yeah. literally why. And uh, and I gotta say, I went online to look up like the its legacy and the reception, and like it's got a very passionate fan base. It's one of those games that like the people that know it fucking know it and they like this game exactly and that was a problem um it it was a working designs release and working designs was known for bringing over like niche japanese titles a lot of jrpgs like they did uh they brought lunar to the sega cd you know popful mail was another big sega cd game for them and um and this was sort of like their their big heyday and they were known for um really good translations yeah, of the stuff that they brought over, like it was Americanized. There was some humor thrown in there. Some people said that it was like over, um, a bit overdone. Like they're throwing like pop culture references and maybe take the humor a bit too far. But uh, they don't do that with a lunger. Like it's aged super well, dude. I yeah, I I think one of this game's biggest strengths. Uh, I thought the writing was superb. At times, maybe a little long winded. At times, yeah. maybe a little bit. But Only I, because there's no button that you can press to instantly skip. Oh, That's yeah, really, thank you. Fuck really me. It. Like, between not being able to skip through the, the, the dialogue and the other thing was when you get a new item, 
the, you know how it plays like the little song that you got a new item yeah. and everybody celebrates. It feels like that thing goes for like 15 seconds and there's no way to skip. And I was just like, the love of fuck, let me, I want to use my new magic bean. Like, let's fucking go. Let me throw my goddamn beans around. Yeah. Um, but no, considering it is a Japanese game. Yeah. I thought that, I thought the translation was, uh, was superb. I feel bad for this game. Cause the, the PS one, like we were talking off air, you're a play, you were a PlayStation kid. Yeah. And, uh, the PS one, like, is there any genre that the PS one is better known for than RPGs. Like it's fucking in retrospect now. I mean, and like out of all the retro games I play, the PS one is probably what I go back to the least because those early polygons just don't oh, great today. You they're, know, they're I mean? ugly. Yeah. yeah but uh, I can go back to stuff like this time and time again. And uh, uh, until, until I, I dip my toe back into the water for, for this recording, I hadn't played a lunger since like 2011. Uh, I played on my PSP. Yeah, but you know, as a kid, you know, I owned it. I played through it a couple times, but yeah, it's a great game. And uh, another thing that Working Designs does is they're known for their like elaborate jewel cases and like really thick, like full color, glossy manuals. Like it was, it was a nice game when it came yeah. out. But yeah, they only do one run. They only do that one right? run, and that's it. And I promise you, a lunch sold out. It sold out its entire run. Sure, but um, I think. I think that's part of the, not the problem. I think that's one of the monkey's paw things when it comes to the PS1 is just the RPG part. It's the, the RPG library on it is so fucking deep that like everybody thinks of Final Fantasy VII. You know what I mean? Like Legend of Dragoon, like those, the big name. And it's like games like this, I feel like I'm not saying it's a bad game. I like it. I don't, I don't, it's not my favorite game ever. I thought it was a good game, but I, I think they almost get, they, the line is so like the lineup is so deep. The library right. is so deep. I think they sometimes and, get and, lost, you know. And erroneously got forgotten. And uh, I, I did pull up some. So I found this fun little indie website with some trivia about this game. And um, well, let me check my notes here because I want to make sure I plug them. Uh, uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> I have yeah. that website up right now, too. That's I, that's a great little indie. Uh, they, we people need to yeah, support so this thing to, or it might uh, not make Wikipedia, it. Idea, Wikipedia. <laughs> Anyways, um, Electronic Gaming Monthly and GamePro both selected Alundra as their runner-up for the best RPG of 1997. Who did it lose to? Final Fantasy VII. Of course. Like Which, Alundra like... was mentioned in, in the same breath as Final Fantasy VII. And obviously, we knew probably at the time it wouldn't have the same legacy. Tw- you know, twenty five. Oh, sure. Say that a lot. Twenty five years later, is, as FF seven. But um, like, I mean, and the thing about it is, play. like, it's hard to compare it to Final Fantasy seven. Not in le- like, I mean, obviously, Final Fantasy seven's legacy is everybody knows. But like, you know, Final Fantasy seven's a JRPG. It's that classic polygon. Everyone looks like they're made out of. Like, I always describe PS one and Nintendo sixty four games as like. You know when, you, when you're when you learning how to draw something and they tell you to draw the square and the circle and the triangle and then slowly shape it in? It's like yeah. they drew the square, the circle, and the triangle and we're like, good enough. Like, that's what those old games look like. But I've always, like, listen, I've dunked on Symphony of the Night countless times and we've had this fight. I've had this fight with so many people. But one thing you've never, I defy anyone to find me say that that game doesn't look stunning. Yeah. And I, until I played Alundra, I said that I thought Symphony of the Night might be the best looking PS1 game I'd ever played. I I think Alundra takes that title. I'll I'll go as far as to say, like, for all the fucking games that did the stupid polygons with the shapes and everything, when games just stuck to that classic kind of pixel art, like, I wish this had been what the PS1 X or Nintendo 64 era had been. Yeah. I know we had to get that ugly polygon 3D era out of the way so that we could get the games that we have now. But you look at games like this, man. That is, it's for for anything I don't like about this game. I it it the artwork alone will get it a, like the the graphics will get it a passing grade in my book. It is stunning. 
There's some really good stuff. There's some really good stuff. It's so bright and colorful and it runs so smooth. And like, and then like the other reason you can't compare to Final Fantasy seven is like, it's an action RPG. It's not a JRPG. No, I mean, um, we all, we all, we all know the, we all know that you're playing Lundra and you're comparing it to Zelda the entire time, bro. Like, everything so- you do in that game, you're like, oh, this is totally what Zelda would do or no, it's that. Yeah. So, so many people, I think you were one of many going in that told me it's like, there's, there's some link to the past influence here. Yeah. And like within but, the first like five minutes, plot. there's a legitimate plot, you know, and like, you don't get yeah. that in, in the legend of Zelda games. Oh, dude, this game's, this game's plot is fucking, I, I, I admittedly like, at times I found myself a hint lost, but it was just because there were so many characters with weird names and I had to like, I was like, who the fuck is that again? Like, who's And that so what's again? funny about that is I remember, I don't know, you're, you know, doing, yeah, here, here's, here's what I'm playing. And you're talking about like, oh, I'm playing a Lundra's this charming little game. It's really bright and colorful. I'm like, no, it's not. It's like pretty quickly in that game. And, and I realized now that you were like super early, but like shit gets real heavy real quick. Fuck yeah. And like, listen, everybody straight up, we're going to spoil it. Like we're going to spoil some of it now. I'm going to spoil the rest of it in the main part of these so like if you never played it it's fucking 25 years old you had your chance maybe a few people that supported this back in the day it might have made it all right so fucking we are gonna spoil it um yeah I'm, I'm interested to know what you think dude like like this whole story where where are you on this like it, it's fucked up like it's frankly kind of a fucked up story yeah, and not in a bad way not because it sucks because it's, i i like up. i like how the the art style and even the music sort of go in a different direction than the um uh than than the plot does because like yeah. it's way more mature than like it looks on the box you know you got like this fun little anime intro as was the style at the time but pretty quickly you know you start you know you start playing the game and so this game shtick for those of you who don't know is you know you play this guy named Alundra <clears throat> and he can enter people's dreams right so he's typical typical story he uh washes up on shore after a shipwreck he's in this village he's never heard of and quickly finds out that uh people there are are having nightmares but he can enter nightmares and you're like oh that's neat he can enter their nightmares and he can save them yeah but pretty quickly you realize that like oh he is (laughs) he can't save them and people start dying people start dying pretty quickly and there's no rhyme or reason to it um like you you look at like some of the some of the characters have like character portraits over their text box and some don't and they just start killing off all of them it doesn't really matter there's no real rhyme or reason but uh it gets super dark it gets super dark and it goes on to uh like a uh, this weird religious tangent you yeah. know because like uh the townsfolk um they used to pray to their idols but then the king outlawed them praying to the idols and you're like well it's kind of a jerk move on the king you know yeah and you find out oh they were they weren't praying to a god they were praying to a demon and that's why their lives are so horrible and that's why they have all these crazy nightmares and uh it just goes in a weird direction but i like it because uh just like the puzzles it shows how much respect the makers of this game have for the people who play it yeah it went right in my opinion it went right up to the line of maybe getting a little bit like okay what the fuck is going on like i and i mean in a good way like it came right like i think the graphics and the story are the this game's two strongest elements. Like mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, I was invested right up until the end. I, like, and then, and then it turns out that like I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it later. But yeah, like I, I really, I really did enjoy uh, the story. It, and you're right, I never thought of it that way. But the fucking story doesn't fit the art style at all. Not that that's bad. It's mm-hmm. almost nice because like if the game got all dark and sh- ugly and shitty, it might almost become depressing to play. I think it totally <laughs> would because I know? mean like. 
Like you're watching all these innocent Super people. Spoilers get coming up, but there's like this, there's like this really unique character named Sybil, and she's like a 12 year old girl, and she's like really endearing. You know, she's kind of like this weird outcast in town who hasn't slept in like forever. Yeah. And uh, you know, after townspeople start start dying, you know, like you, you sort of get a feel for a story, and then they just like end up murdering this 12 year old girl in like the most violent manner. Like, yeah, it's not shown on screen. You know, but like she's like her, her neck is broken and she's left in the middle of town. And it's like, wow, that got really like <laughs> that. That got really real. Really yeah. And, but then when that when that's all over, the cutscene or whatever is over, uh, then you get back to the like happy go lucky music and the bright colorful. And they're like, all right, go right. look for treasure. You know what right. I mean? And I'm like, exactly. what the fuck? No one cares that this kid is. OK. All right. I guess we don't care. Nobody liked the kid. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. OK. So I wanted. OK. So the story, the story's tight. The, the graphics are fucking stunning uh the 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 zelda influence is undeniable even as far as like alundra's even got the link ears like the elf ears and everything i was like man when i first started playing it i thought this was gonna be one of those like hey can i copy your homework sure just change enough of it that we don't get in trouble but then i got into it and you're right like zelda and i like i like like link to the past is one of my favorite games of all time but the story doesn't touch the, like and this game even does the same thing of go around and collect seven crests like it even has that part <laughs> but they they put a lot more uh meat on the bone there's your one around the whole crests and everything i wanted to ask you about the puzzles because this game is almost like 50 percent combat 50 percent puzzles mm -hmm. i don't think the combat is anything to write home about i think it's okay but it's a yeah. little bit it's gets kind of frankly i thought it got a little bit the combat got a little boring at times but oh, I agree. The, the enemy design isn't great none of the enemies are super difficult the difficulty comes when they start like stacking them up when like it's like 10 of them in one room yeah yeah but at the end of the day it's basically just mash it like it's not you know it's not the not the link to the past that you know combat is fucking out of this world either but clearly the puzzles were where they wanted to go with this game mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask you about this because i I love puzzle games and there were some puzzles in this game that I thought were brilliant. And then there were some where I had to look them. I, how anyone beats this game without a walkthrough. I don't get it. I couldn't, maybe if you're the, the patience of it, I couldn't do it. I had to look some up mm -hmm. and there were some that I loved. And then there were some that just, I fucking got like, I'd look up how to beat it. And I was like, oh, that's fucking stupid. I can't, I never would have figured <laughs> it out. Um, where do you stand on that? Like, cause I'll share my, like, is there any puzzles that stand out? Like, what do you think? There's, there's two puzzles that I don't care for. And, um, overall I, I like the puzzles. Um, I think they, I think that they progress in complexity in like a really organic manner. Like for the overwhelming majority of the game, the puzzle can be solved in the room that you're already in. Yeah. Um, and unlike, unlike the Zelda games, I think that there are, um, like skill-based puzzles where like the solution is pretty obvious, but it's going to like, yes, you have to be good at video games to do it, whether it's platforming or, or whatever, you know, moving quickly. Um, right. And so I, I dig that. I like that quite a bit. The two puzzles that two puzzles, excuse me, they really chat my ass. Um, one of them is early in the game and it's like five saints. And you have to like <laughs> activate the saints in the, and I know I was going on earlier, probably before stream started, I don't even know. But anyways, I was going on about how great the translation is. I think that translation is broken because like I write notes down, I'm like, okay, this saint uh, says this thing. So uh, there, there, there's like five statues. Yeah. And you have to choose like the least, you know, important saint to the most important one. And every single time I get the solution, I feel like I, I guessed. See, I got, see, I, I got to, no I got to say, that was my single favorite puzzle in the whole game. 
Oh, that's so right. weird. But I, I, I'm a big fan of those like logic. You know those logic puzzles where you have the circles and the X's. Yeah. And you've got like five clues and you have to work back it. Like I, I could sit there and look at those for hours. And I thought that was brilliant. And I was like, dude, I like you're right. The translation. That was one of the rare instances where I think maybe it left a little something to be desired, but I, I still really enjoyed it. I wanted more of those. Mm. I do find that as the game goes on, it, it gets away from the logic puzzles and more into the platforming action puzzles, which I yeah. did like. I just found that the punishment for missing a jump or not quite, because it's not, it, it platforms great, but it's very slippery. It's mm. not, it's not, not bad, but very slippery. And I just, there were a couple instances where I'd have to like go across like a platform and get by like a couple of spike balls or something. Yeah. And I would think I was in right position to get by and I wasn't. And then it would knock me off and then I'd have to hike my way back up the track. And I was like, man, that is unfucking forgiving. <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah. do agree though. I think for the most part, dude, like, have you played Link to the Past? We keep comparing. This oh, yeah. Game. No, I've, I've, I've finished it a couple times. Okay. The fucking Ice Temple. I love Link to the Past, but the fucking Ice Temple can eat my entire ass. I hate that fucking temple so much. And I didn't feel like that with any of the puzzles in this game. There's a lot of platforming, clever, physical moving shit around puzzles, but I never felt like I was just walking around guessing. Yeah, you're there's right. Only one, there's only one other puzzle that I think is complete bullshit. And again, it's very early in the game. I think it's in Bonaire's Dream. Um, and thankfully, like it's a very small dungeon because it's early. Uh, and uh, in Bonaire's dream, there's like this one, you know, there are ladders and things that you can climb. Uh, but sometimes you have to like flip a switch to make a ladder appear. And in this one specific dream, you've got no idea where to go. And then you, you have to, you push a rock, you push a rock like in one direction. And all of a sudden that activates a magic switch that pops up this ladder that you can climb to progress. Yes! And yes! no... In no other dungeon is there a rock that you have to move to activate the switch. It's yeah. not a special looking rock. It is yeah. literally just a regular rock that you'll see a million times throughout the game. But this specific one, you have to push it. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's far and away my least favorite puzzle. Yeah, it fucking... This game... Like, you know how a lot of these games, especially from this era, um, anything you could interact with just look different. Yeah. Like it, it was highlighted or glimmered or fucking whatever. Not this rock. This No, I don't feel like this game does that at all. And I feel like 90% of the time it's great because it doesn't pull you out of the immersion. I ran into a couple of instances though where finally I'd look up the answer and all it was was I could interact with something I didn't think I could interact with. Right. And I was like, ah, you motherfucker. <laughs> but I think I would have taken that trade off to keep the game looking the way that it it does. Um, You had mentioned when you and I were talking about this before we started too, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, favorite temple, favorite dungeon, dream. They're all this. They're all temples, whatever. And you would, I, I won't, I won't answer for you. What's your favorite temple in the game? Your favorite dungeon, whatever you want to call it. That's um, far and away the the lake shrine, which is the last temple of the game. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. I can't get into specifics because I didn't manage to make it uh, through the temple, so I haven't played this in 2011. But I've got so many fond memories of uh of that temple and as i recall you said you made it to the last boss so you, you finished yeah i did get to, i got to the for anyone wondering i got to the final boss the problem is i didn't get any of the the falcon items oh yeah. because i didn't look it up in the walk i never realized it was there and yeah. like if you if you don't if you've never played it you can get like a ring that restores your health as you go and like better armor i didn't get any of that and so yeah, by the time i got to that final boss i was just getting murdered and i was like all right I, you know what as much as I like, I don't want to sound like I'm disrespecting your game. I liked your game, but I was like, I am 40 hours deep. I'm looking up the fucking ending. I can like, I am right. looking up the fucking ending on YouTube. 
Um, I like that final dungeon, but dude, that is a long fucking temple. It is, and my memories of it. Well, first of all, the music is absolutely amazing. Like yeah. I love the track of that final dungeon. Uh, it is terrific. Go look it up, y'all. It's totally worth your time. Yeah, I'll try to remember yeah. to put it in uh, after our conversation. Perfect, so everybody can hear it. Um, but yeah, I remember like. Like I said earlier, most of the puzzles in the various dungeons, like the solution is typically in the room that you're in. Yeah. Um, so you don't have access to like a whole lot of the dungeon. You walk in this lake shrine and you've got like a pretty large area to go and explore. And uh, it's huge. It is it a is. big, it is, it, it is, is. it I might be the longest temple I've ever done. Every single room, like trying to figure out how do I activate this thing? And at the end of the day, it's still in the room yeah. like, where the puzzle is. And I just feel like a jack. I like, you know, Oh, I can't believe I didn't see that four hours ago. Yeah, it was honestly temple. one of the biggest temples I've ever, like dungeons, temples, castles, whatever you want to call it. One of the biggest I've ever experienced in a game. It was fucking, yeah. fucking huge. And, and like, and then I thought I was done it. And then it was like, no, keep fucking going. I was like, okay, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> holy fuck. Um, do you have a least favorite? Because I know I fucking have one. Having just played through it uh, today, uh, like the fairy pond. The yes, fairy pond, yes. I hated that one. Me too. I could not stand it. And, and again, it's the classic trope. Everyone fucking hates underwater levels. And that's Thank what you very much. Yeah, I didn't even finish it. I don't even know what the item that is in there is. I finally rage quit it and reset the game to get my save back. To I was like, I can't get out. I can't solve it. I Nobody wants to play underwater, game developers. Mm -hmm. If your game's not set underwater, don't put us underwater. It's not yeah. fun. Fucking, fucking drove me crazy. Fuck me. At the end of that one, you get a sword that is more powerful. You get a more powerful oh. sword. I could have used that actually, because maybe that's I know. Why I there's doing. a couple bosses that are just damage sponges until you start. Oh. Like, <laughs> that was start getting better gear. That was my when I like to to, to we'll kind of start wrapping this up. But as I was talking about the combat and how I thought the combat felt just a little bit flat, my biggest complaint about the combat is that frankly, I don't think the bosses for the most part are all that challenging. You, they're pretty fairly easy to figure out a some kind of a pattern or a strategy mm -hmm. they're just like they could have cut the hp in half like yeah. because it's like they're not going to kill me it's just going to take forever for me to kill it yeah, and like there's, there's a couple couple bosses that stick out like um there's one uh i think it's like probably the second boss of the game uh where it's like this big water monster which is one of the most visually impressive bosses in the game yeah and that fight goes on for what feels like half an hour. Oh, God. It dude. doesn't need to. It looks so good. But yeah, they really dragged it out. They could have just dropped the HP a bit. That one. And then my favorite um, looking temple in the game, at least one of my favorite to play was actually the fire temple. And some people complained about trying to freeze those fireballs. But I, I enjoyed that part. Mm -hmm. But uh, I thought the boss, that big dragon that comes out of the fire, that whatever oh, yeah. it was, I think he's the coolest looking boss in the game. But I thought it was one of the worst boss fights because I had to use the ice wand and I basically just stood at the bottom of the screen and hit him and he didn't touch me. And it it just took like 10 minutes. I was just like, for the love of fuck, man, just die. Like, you're not going to win this. Just die. Right. right. But, but minor complaints, minor complaints. Overall, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this game does not really have like a single original idea. Like, it doesn't. Um, I'm not even sure if there is anything that this game does better than other games. But like when you add everything up, you know, when you take the art style and the puzzles and the music, um, everything adds up to like a really complete, just well-made package. You can feel the passion for it, you know. Uh, yeah. I appreciate the the respect it gives the players because like some of those puzzles are like, like they're, some of them are pretty tough. Fucking right they are. I, <laughs> if you've never played this and I have one other, like I'm going to get into the overworld a little bit because like my kingdom for a map 
but all, like, and I know the fortune teller has one, but I'd go to the fortune teller. It would tell me where to go. And then I'd still get lost trying to get right. to where the fuck I was going, but I'll get into that in a little bit. I agree. I, th- I, I think this is a very polished, well-made video game. I, there's not a, it, it runs perfectly. I had no glitches, no bugs, uh, which for a big open world game, open world in, in air quotes, uh, right. that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I was very impressed. So before we score this, dude, I just wanted to ask you, uh, why, why I should ask you this off the top. Why Alundra? Like what, like why, what, what, where, where'd you, where'd you discover this game? No one's played it. Why the fuck have you, yeah, where'd you get so it? So I, you know, I, uh, I, I grew up, I, like a lot of us, I didn't get a whole lot of games, you know, growing up. So like I tended to veer towards JRPGs purely because they were like 40 hours long, you know, yeah. like I picked up a JRPG. I, I know I, I'm going to get my money's worth yeah. and, uh, and uh, so that art style immediately attracted me, you know, um, I, I think it's a terrific game. And I don't, I mean, most people our age grew up with P- PlayStation ones or something of the like, you know, yeah. something in that generation, like no one talks about Lundra. Again, yeah. I think I mentioned earlier, this was like, like two magazines, two big magazines named this their number two RPG of 1997 behind Final Fantasy seven. And no one talks about Lundra. And, and honestly, it just deserves better. It deserves to be remembered. You know, yeah, dude, and I'll agree with that. I'm glad it's getting an episode of the show. Um, and I'll I'll be completely honest. It probably I'd never heard of it. It probably wouldn't have gotten an episode of the show, uh, had you not saved it. So I think Alundra owes you a thank you because you saved its ass. And maybe oh. now, who knows? I've willed other things into the past. Maybe now we'll will a revitalization of the Alunda franchise. Into the, we've done we've done we've done worse on the yeah, show. No, let's manifest. Let's see what happens. Christmas early Christmas miracle. Yeah, I'm we'll calling right now. I'm, you I'm know calling what? right now. Video game awards 2022. Alundra three. Here it comes. <laughs> I think let's just start with getting Alundra on fucking PS Plus. Let's just <laughs> instead of having to deal with it on my goddamn PlayStation three. Anyways, um, Timmy, we need a scale, man. Got any ideas? What do you want to score this fucking thing out of? You got anything? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I know you are, and you said you told me specifically. Don't worry about it. If you don't have something, I'll I'll come up with something. I'll come up with here something. we are, anyways. Here we are, anyways, Adam. Yeah. No. Okay. If you don't have anything, then I'm gonna score it out of seven for the crests. I know it's lame, but there's seven crests. So if you've got nothing better, than, or oh, you know what? 1997, because it was the second best game RPG <laughs> of 1997. I like that better. Seven crests is boring. Are you good with 1997? Let's do it. All right. So, I'm giving my score in a minute or in, in after the other part. The floor is yours. I'll shut the fuck up. Yeah, Alundra. I mean, shot. It's, it's a great game. Art style, music, puzzles. Uh, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But it's entertaining from beginning to end. And I want to give it a solid... Uh, I'm going to give it a solid 1849. <laughs> 1849. I like it. I like it. Um... I'll give my score in a little. I, you know what? I'll call my shot right now. It's better than Symphony of the Night. I know it's going to get me some shit, but I don't care. I like it better than Symphony of the Night. Uh, dude, before we leave, a couple of quick things. Number one, I need you to fucking share this story. Uh, I love hearing the origin stories of people's handles online. Why are you Timmy the Exuberant Turtle? This is my new favorite origin story. <laughs> You're a borderline villain. I love it. Oh like, yeah. I want to know, why oh, are you Timmy the Exuberant Turtle? So back in back in in high school, me and my friends, we never had PCs, right? But you know, we're gamers. We want to play PC games, so we'd go to uh, our local mall where there was like an internet cafe, and like everyone in there was playing Counter Strike. So that's what we did, right? We'd go there on the weekends. We'd play some Counter Strike with like fifty other people, and I'm not good at Counter Strike because I don't have a PC. And um, I'm there, I'm playing, I'm doing my thing, and at some point in the match, I just get straight up murked by some guy, and you know, the little 
like the little chat box pops up and like you were killed by Timmy the exuberant turtle. And as much as being killed chapped my ass, like I couldn't help but smile. Like the user, the handle was so good. It was so, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It made me feel good. So uh, I, I am not Timmy the exuberant turtle. I am a tribute. I love it. I, I was telling him off air. This reminds me of the Simpsons where that man is the real Seymour Skinner. I pray to the gaming gods that the original Timmy the exuberant turtle is listening to this show. And writes in it and says, like, and then you're going to have to, I don't know what you'll do. Maybe you'll have to be Armin Tanzarian. I don't know what the fuck your name will have to be, but that'd yeah. be, what a great origin story. I, some dude destroyed you and you just took his handle as a tribute. <laughs> What's Maybe, funny about this is I promise so you, happy. as soon as this episode goes live, you're going to have like five people. Like, hey, yeah. I'm too Super Turtle. Yeah. No, For the not. record, I'm not going to believe any of you. So, <laughs> like, don't actually write in saying you're the actual Timmy because I'm not going to fucking believe you. Uh, and then the other thing, dude, is, uh, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got going on? If people want to check out more of Timmy the Exuberant Turtle's work, where can they find your shit? So, uh, you know, I, I do like to write and record music, so you can check me out on YouTube. Uh, I've got a channel uh, named The Haunting Serenity. It's all metal. It's all over the map. I'm super uh, active over there. I put out new music like once every two or three years. <laughs> Bye. Check it out. I do have a a cover of like the intro music for Splatterhouse Two from the Genesis. Uh, uh, yeah, come. To, but you know, if you come over, like, like leave, like feel good stuff. Don't come at me with your your constructive criticism. Just yeah. leave good stuff. Yeah, tell them, tell them, tell them we sent you, and tell them hi. Just be nice. Fucking be nice. Everybody is nice. Our listeners are nice. Um, bro, listen. Uh, it was really nice getting to talk to you, getting to meet you, and uh, and I really mean it. Thank you for turning me on to this game because I, I really enjoyed it. I I I re- sincerely, really, as a link to the past fan. I enjoyed the shit out of this game and I never would have heard of it if it hadn't yeah. been for this episode. So thank you yeah. very much. I appreciate I, it. I hope, uh, I hope, uh, you know, a few listeners go out and, and give it a try. It's worth it. Definitely. Hopefully it ends up on fucking PS plus. God damn it. Sony people want your old games. You fucking anyways. Okay. I'm going to keep that final dungeon music now, if I can find it. And then, uh, when it stops, I'll, I'll keep talking about Alundra, but, uh, thanks brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Oh boy, I'm not even sure where to start with this one. Alundra. I'll be honest. I uh I had a guest lined up for this game and then things just didn't work out and we couldn't make the date work, which was great. Then I had another guest lined up for this and unfortunately things just didn't work out, which is great. And so I'm just going to finally go alone because I didn't want to push this episode off anymore. I have put a lot of time into Alundra. I got a lot to say about this game. And I was like, the longer I wait, the more I'm going to forget. The more I forget, the more messages I'll get from fucking passionate Alundrites out there that'll be like, you forgot to mention this and this and this. So I'm just going to go solo. Uh, when this game got recommended by Timmy, I looked it up. I always look the games up before I accept any sponsored episode. And there have been a couple that I've either looked up and said, I don't think this is going to work. Or I've tried it and been like, I just don't get this game. This isn't going to work. I could tell right away that I, worst case, I would like this game. Whether or not I would love it, TBD. But I knew at least I would like it. Because it is clearly, incredibly 
Link to the past influenced. Frankly, I think some of the comments from you guys that were writing and talking about it, I think you downplayed that a little bit. There's changes. He can jump and stuff like that, him being a Lundra, and we'll get into all that. But there is... <laughs> this was... I don't even, it's not even a burn. It's not a bad thing to take a game like A Link to the Past and be like, I could make that. But that's very much what this is. From the fucking bringing up the item menu to setting it to like the, the fucking character. Alundra looks like Link with the elf ears and the hair and everything like that. And there is a lot of Link to the Past to be had here. That said, there, and you all know, and by some fluke you don't know, go back and listen. We have two episodes of Remember the Game that are all about A Link to the Past. We've dedicated two episodes to it. Uh, easily, my favorite Zelda game of all time, one of my favorite games of all time, one of my favorite SNES games of all time. I fucking love A Link to the Past. Uh, th I do not think Alundra is a better game than A Link to the Past. That There are some things that this game does that it can't, like, it is not even in the same fucking discussion as A Link to the Past. Although, there are some things that this game does that I actually think are better than A Link to the Past. There are th some things that it improves on. And let me just say once again, as I think I said during the intro, um, I understand that if every game from the PS1, Nintendo 64 era went to that like two to two and a half dimensional system, like this game is, uh, which this game, like it's got that same camera angle as A Link to the Past. It's the top, but it's like, you know, it's like looking at it from about 60, 65 degrees top down. It's that 2.5D. You know what I'm talking about. It's got that look to it, which I fucking, I love that look. Uh, I understand that if every game from the PS1, Nintendo 64 era looked like that, we'd be giving up games like WWF No Mercy and Mario Kart 64 and Twisted Metal and Metal Gear Solid and some games that I really, really like, Resident Evil, some games I really, really like from that era. Plus, I understand that if we had moved away from 3D games, those were the baby's first 3D games, really, as far as the consoles go, right? Like, without the Nintendo 64 and the PS1, we don't have the Xbox Series X and the PS5 today, as far as, the, I mean, maybe we do, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they had to start somewhere. Uh, that said, dude... Not so much on the Nintendo 64, because I don't think the Nintendo 64... The fuck did it... I'm not trying to... I promise we're going to talk a lunge. I'm going to talk a lunge here. It's just... I, the, I, don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm like completely despising the Nintendo 64, but like I can't think of a single game on the Nintendo 64 that looks like Alundra that looks like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which while I may not love it as far as how the game goes, I think that game looks fucking stunning i really wish we had had more 2d games that were just super nintendo games on fucking roids and a half from that era so anytime i get to play one of those i get excited so as soon as i looked up alundra and saw a game that kind of looked like a successor to link to the past i was like you son of a bitch i'm in because i'll take this over ocarina of time any day of the week ocarina of tim pardon me almost said it wrong uh, that said, then I got into it, and I want to get into the shit I don't like about this game. Then I'll pull it around into the stuff I do like. And I think you guys have gotten used to that now. That's how we usually go. We start out by talking shit, and then uh, we flip the coin and get into the happy stuff. So I'm going to start off by talking about the things I don't like about Alundra. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone. Like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but 
Kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a CrashPlan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. My biggest beef... Well, okay, I guess I should say, if you've never played this game, and I'm sure a bunch of you haven't, the long and short of it is uh, this character, Alundra, who looks like he could be Link's cousin, uh, wakes up on a beach. I know. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. So he wakes up on this beach, and then this fucking guy, like, rescues him and brings him back to his house. And then Alundra wakes up in a bed in this guy's house, and the guy is like, I think the guy's name was Jess, I think. And the guy's like, hey, man, you were really out for a long time. I hope you're doing okay. You can stay here in the village as long as you want. And I was like, holy Christ, are you not a Link's Awakening or a Link to the Past? I know Link's to the Past, he doesn't wake up in a stranger's house, but it's like this kid wakes up in this bed and there's like a chubby guy with a mustache living with him who's like, hey, don't go out there and make any trouble. But then they, anyways, uh, I, I promise that's not going to, I'm not going to just dunk on it comparing it to Zelda the whole time. So anyway, basically, Alundra washes up on this beach and then he ends up in this village and then it turns out people in this village are dying in their sleep and it turns out Alundra has the ability to go into people's nightmares and fight this demon thing or whatever it is that's in the nightmares killing them and eventually that's the law. I'm not going to spoil everything. I can't remember if we spoil everything by the end of the, I can't remember if Timmy and I spoiled everything in our chat or not, but I'm not going to spoil too much. Uh, well, I might, I don't know. It's a fucking old game. Um, but yeah, that's the long and short of it. So it's that action RPG where you're going into dungeons slash dreams. I love the fact that some of the dreams or some of the dungeons are just people's dreams. And I, some of them get really creative. They're some of the best dungeons in the game. So I like that. You're going around this overworld. You're trying to save the people of this village. It's a very dark game. Like it's so bright and colorful. The music is like super happy and cheerful and everything. Uh, but then the storyline is, is fucked up. It's very dark. So if you've never played it, that's the long and short of how the the game works so the things i don't like about it number one the overworld to this game is really nice it's nice to look at it is <laughs> it's a little bit like link to the past it is in the bottom in the fucking i know some of you listening that love alundra you can't lie like you can't deny it right in the southeast it's like a desert up in the northeast it's a fucking mountain to the northwest it's a forest to the southwest it's like a water and swamp and shit and like 
Yeah, but but either way, the the overworld itself is roughly give or take about the same size as a link to the past overworld, and it's nice. I like it. It's beautiful to look at. It's fun to explore, and you're going around and you find treasures and stuff like that. My biggest gripe, not only with the overworld, but with this fucking game, is in what world does it not make sense to give the player a map? And I don't want to hear that the fortune teller has a map because you're right. There's a fortune teller in the main village, which you always end up going back to. It's kind of the hub of the game in the center of the map or close to the center. And you always end up going back to this fucking village and you can go talk to the fortune teller anytime you want and give the fortune teller like two bucks. And then they'll tell you, this is where you have to go. They'll bring up a map and there'll be a fucking nice X to tell you where to go. And then they'll even heal you. Uh, you know, just to give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But the problem is once that map tells you where you're supposed to go, say you see like a, a place in the top right corner up in the mountains, up in the Northwest or the Northeast, you're like, Oh, okay. I need to go up to the Northeast, but then I still get fucking lost trying to figure out how to get there. And then I can't bring up the goddamn map to look it up without Googling one or going all the way back to the village and talking to the fucking stupid fortune teller again. And even when I looked up the map online, so I had a map, I still found myself getting lost. And that is so far and away my biggest gripe with this game and maybe some people would like it maybe some people like that exploration and the giant map and all that kind of stuff i i don't and link to the past at least at any time you could bring up a a loose rough map and at least have an idea of where you're going my kingdom for a fucking map while i'm out there walking around like a donkey trying to figure out where the fuck i have to go and the thing about this game is it does a really good job of adding layers and levels and platforms to, you know, different tiers of like depths of height to climb up like mountains. There's a couple instances where you're just jumping from, you know, it's almost a platforming game at points, trying to jump from platform to platform, climbing up walls or up mountains or whatever. And I think that's very cool. And I think when they do it, they do it very, very well. But the problem is that that graphic style also lends itself to hiding things behind walls or platforms you can stand on or hills or whatever and on occasion i think that's great but overall i find it very frustrating and so my biggest beef with this game so far and away is fuck my kingdom for a goddamn map like i i guarantee you three plus hours of my playthrough were just walking around this fucking overworld trying to figure out where to go there was one point where you have to go to this fire manor i think is what it was called and it's in like the southwest of the of, of your village. And it's not even that far. But fuck me if I could figure out how to get it. And I looked it up on the map. I saw where it was. I could see it. I could see it. But I couldn't figure out how to get to it. And it drove me up the wall. And it was like, at, there's a point where uh, here, <laughs> expiration has an expiration. Ah, and that needs an explanation. Oh my god. Uh, no, but no, it's true. Expiration has... Uh, no, exploration has an expiration. That's hard to say. And I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm sick of fucking looking around and trying to solve these puzzles and figure out how to get there. Please just fucking tell me how to get there. Like, fuck, fuck. God damn it. It was just, and like, and there's so many instances where it's very cryptic. It's like, oh, go to this area and talk to this person. There's so many characters' names. And I can't remember all the characters' names. So then they would tell me to go talk to fucking joey jojo jr shabadoo or whatever and i'd be like i don't know where the fuck they are anymore i don't remember so then i I, frankly i mean i'm sure some of you are gonna write in every time i say this someone writes in and argues with me i'm sure some people have beaten it without a walkthrough i don't think i could beat it without a walkthrough i was very lost uh i just i needed i needed help i was so lost a couple of times so that is my biggest beef with this game the overworld while gorgeous and fun to explore 
desperately needs a map or something to fucking help you along. And on that note, the dungeons could use maps too. Because this game, and and that's, listen, I like the dungeons more than I dislike them. But this game is, I would say, loosely 50% puzzles, 50% uh, Link to the Past style combat with swinging your sword and throwing bombs and uh, you get a bow and arrow and you get, you know, that kind of stuff and magic spells and things. And uh, the, the combat... I think the combat is a little bit boring, but I think the combat feels good. I'll get more into the combat when we get into some of the bosses and stuff. Uh, I love the puzzles. I'm a big puzzle guy. I love puzzle games. I wish that, frankly, there's a there's. We talked about it with with Timmy. He mentioned the puzzle where there's like these five spirits or something, and you have to talk to you have to basically go up to these five statues and interact with them from the most respected spirit to the least respected spirit or whatever the fuck it was, and. Uh, and you have to like solve the solve it with these like clues it gives you. I love those types of puzzles. And it's got a ton of platforming puzzles where you need to figure out you know how to get to a certain level or how to step on a certain platform or what can you use to climb up this wall to get onto here to hit a switch and stuff like that. And I really enjoy that type of gameplay and I think for the most part this game does that very well. It just frustrates me when I'm like stuck in a dungeon because the dungeons are pretty big. Some of the dungeons slash dreams which are dungeons in this game are, are pretty there's a lot of meat on the bone. They're pretty beefy. The final one. Jesus Christ. The final dungeon in this game is like a fucking whole game in itself. It is fucking huge. Um, and it can be very easy to be like, get stuck and then be like, where the fuck have I and haven't I gone? And it's hard to remember with some of them. And so not as big a complaint for me as the overworld map, but it would be nice if you could just bring up a basic, like, like the link to the past, like Excel sheet style maps. It'd be nice if you could bring up something just to help you look through it. And maybe they didn't do it because they were like, this makes it a little too linked to the past. Maybe they just thought it would make the game too easy, which maybe it would because there'd be less backtracking and trying to figure out how to solve some of the puzzles and more just like, well, this is where I have to go. But there were a few instances where I was like, fuck my kingdom for a basic map that would just tell me where I have and haven't fucking been yet. For the love of God, please help me. Uh, so that I found just a little bit irritating. And then really the only other major qualm um, that I have with this game. And I would say like the overworld map is my biggest by a mile. Dungeon map is my second for sure. This is like the bronze medal of my three qualms. Some of the puzzles, how many say it? It's like, okay. So there's some puzzles that revolve around platforming. And I'll, here's an example. There's one, this isn't spoiling anything, but there's one, there's a few instances like this, but one that sticks out in my mind is you have to pick up a barrel and then get on a moving platform and ride that platform across a pit to the other side and then throw the barrel down so that, or no, pardon me, throw the barrel up onto a cliff, okay? Then you ride the, bar the, the platform back to where you got the barrel to begin with, go around the room, climb up these stairs, and now that barrel you flew, uh, you rode across the the uh, the hole with is up on the platform you're climbing up to and now you can use the barrel to get out of the, the world. I, if it doesn't make sense, long and short, you have to carry a barrel across a hole. But the problem is the platform that you're riding across the hole flies by these two giant spike balls. And so they don't move. They're just floating in the air with spikes pulsating out of them. So basically what you do is as soon as you walk into this room and you figure out the puzzle, which is going to take you one or two tries, then you basically have to pick up this barrel, get on this platform, hug the left edge of the platform till you're past the first spike ball, then quickly run over to the right side of the platform and ride it past the second spike ball. Then you can jump off and throw your barrel away. But the problem is that while the game looks gorgeous and frankly plays pretty well, it can be, it's a little, 
little loose, a little slippery. It, it can be it can be difficult to tell when you're clear of those spikes and when you're about to hit those spike balls. Does that make sense? I don't know if it's the camera angle or the graphics or what. So I remember being stuck there like oh, fucking forever because I ride it across and accidentally bump into one of the two spikes. And it's not the health. Like I don't, I probably only died once or twice in this game. Like I very rarely got game overed because you have, it's, you have a, you have a finite amount of health, but you have so many like replenish your health items. Plus anytime you go to a save point in a dungeon, you can replenish your health and everything. So I didn't find myself running out of health too often, but the problem was if I got bumped by one of those spike balls, it'd be a little bit of bump back, like bounce back, not like Ninja Gaiden or Mega Man style bounce back, but the bounce back Castlevania part of me. No, that's the bounce back. Not that amount of bounce back, but there is some. So I get hit by a spike ball and then either drop my barrel and it would fall into the pit or I would get knocked into the pit. Then I'd have to, and I'd only lose like one of my like 40 health, but then I'd have to hike back up these fucking stairs, get on it again. And then it'd be more frustrating when I get across with the barrel, throw the barrel up onto the ledge, get back onto the platform to ride back to the start so I could go around to the stairs to get up to the ledge I threw the barrel onto and then hit one of the spike balls and I had to do it again. And there's a lot of instances like that. And I found it, frankly, I found this game a little too unforgiving when it came to failing puzzles it wasn't like if you got a if you guessed like a logic puzzle wrong it was just like hey dipshit try again that was no big deal but you'd miss a jump or you'd fucking throw something wrong or accidentally destroy a box you didn't need to destroy or oh god there's one part where you're anyone that's played it you're gonna know exactly what i'm talking about you go behind like the water the the mill like the water mill and you have to climb up that you have to get fuck me there's like these four little waterfalls that are all dropping logs not they're not pooping there's like actual logs falling off the waterfalls and you have to just jump across like uh from from the ledger on jump onto one log two log three log four log ride the fourth one down over a waterfall past the spike ball then jump up onto a ledge and the jumping is so precise for a game that plays fine but doesn't feel super tight and i fucking and you don't even get hurt that's the most frustrating thing nothing even hurts you if you fall off the logs you just have to swim back to the start of the jumps climb up there and try it all again and i was probably in there for 45 minutes trying to hit these four jumps across these fucking logs and if you've played it you know what i'm talking about and it was so damn frustrating. So it's just stuff like that. And I know I've spent the most time of my gripes uh, on the one that bothered me the least. Because I like platformers and I like puzzles. And I can live with failing at a platformer or a puzzle until I get it solved. I just felt this game was a little too unforgiving with some of that stuff. And a little too slippery and not quite tight enough for some of the platforming and stuff that it expected you to do. Uh, and then there's the fairy pond, but like we talked about that when I was talking to Timmy. So worst dungeon in the game. I didn't even finish it. I ended up rage quitting and reloading my file. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not fucking around this goddamn dungeon anymore. So I would say those are my three biggest gripes. Other than that, and I trust me, there's positives. I'm, I'm getting the bad out of the way. Then we'll go to the good. Uh, those are my three biggest gripes. The only other things that kind of irritated me a little bit. Again, that that camera angle is just a little weird. I don't know what it is about it. The graphics are beautiful, but sometimes it's hard to tell what you can interact with. I think I mentioned that when I was talking to Timmy too. You know how like in a lot of like, and I'm thinking Final Fantasy VII is just the game that came to my mind, but so many classic PS1 games, when you could interact with something, it would like glow or shimmer or something to signify like, hey, use this. 
Uh, this game doesn't do that as much. And everything looks so bright and crisp and colorful, which is a plus. But on occasion, I'd be stuck forever. And then I finally look at my walkthrough like, what am I supposed to do? And it was like, oh, this thing I didn't think I could interact with. You can interact with that. Oh, this one statue of 15 statues. This one can be pushed over the cliff. And if you look, you'll see two tiny little tread marks toward the cliff to show you that the statue could have got pushed over it. Minor, minor thing. It was just a couple instances where I'd see it and I'd be like, ah, fuck. Maybe I could have saw that, but also like, fuck you. I would have liked if you'd made it a little easier to see. Uh, and then the only other thing I would point out about this game is there's uh you collect these, um, I can't remember they're called these like golden Falcon things. And I, they're optional. You collect them throughout the game and I got a ton of them and I never figured out what to do. And maybe I just missed it when someone told me what I could do with it. I don't know. Uh, but I never figured out what to do with them. And I went all the way through the last dungeon, got to the last boss, and I was getting just fucking annihilated. And then I figured out that like, oh, well, you can cash in these golden uh, bird statues to this guy and buy like some of the most powerful items in the game, like a ring that constantly restores your health and shit like that. I didn't have any of that because I didn't realize it. And I'm not good enough uh, at this game to beat it without those items. So I, whether it's beatable without them, I'm sure it is, but I'm not good enough. Uh, to do it so that that is almost not even a complaint as much as it is just me pointing out uh, my shittiness at at the game so I would say those are my big like criticisms of the game now I want to get into what I like because I feel like for the last 20 minutes I've just been poo-pooing and I've, I'm pooed out I have some things about this game that I really want to praise as well this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. podcasting is a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly, I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And BetterHelp is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash remember the game. Um, while I wasn't able to find all of the best power-ups in the game, I do like the power-ups that I did find, frankly, or some of the ones that you're just given as you play. Like, some of them you can't miss. You just have to get them. Uh, I kind of like the inventory system in this game. If you've not played it, there's no, like, fairy bottles and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, you bring up your inventory screen, and along the top bar, you've got a choice of, like, you know, a few different weapons. You've got, like, swords that can be upgraded. You've got flails which I never like, it's like an, it's like a mace, but it's a mace that is on like a hookshot chain and you can't pull things back, but you can like, I guess it's just a mace basically. It's like the spike ball on the chain, which is the coolest. I, I love that. Uh, there's like a bow and arrow and there's stuff like that. So you can get a few different weapons and then all you can do is you can equip one weapon 
uh, at all times to like your attack button. And then you have a second item slot that you can give to any of the other items in the game. And there's a ton of like, it's so weird. It's weird. You can get these herbs to heal you because that's what the PS1 was all about. Healing with green herbs, Resident Evil, Alundra, etc. Uh, and you can carry up to nine of these herbs that you can use to restore some of your health. Plus, you can get a potion that'll restore more of your health. Plus, you can get another potion that'll restore more of your health. Plus, you can get another potion that'll bring you back once if you die, like a fairy in a bottle. Plus, you can get another potion that restores your magic that you can use the magic spells of. But you can only carry one of each potion, but you can carry nine of those herbs. And so the first row of your inventory is basically just healing items. And then in addition to that, you can get items throughout the game, like you can get a, a power... <laughs> I don't, again, I'm not trying to just say it's linked to the past, but you can get a power glove that lets you lift big rocks. You can get bombs you can throw to blow stuff up. And the bomb is the best weapon in the game for fighting enemies as well. It's a godsend. And what's awesome about stuff like bombs and arrows in this is it's not like Link to the Past where you have a finite amount and you always have to pick up more. You just get the bomb and then you just always have bombs. As long as you want to throw bombs, you can throw them. And they do more damage than most of your weapons, frankly. They're so fucking handy. Uh, you get like a magic bean that you can throw into pots throughout the... You keep. Does it not drive anyone else crazy? And this is not a criticism. This is just me being... Uh, a weenie does it not drive anybody else crazy when you fucking see something in an overworld on a game and you can't interact with it yet and it's like like you just need a trace to be like i don't think we have the item you need to do with that yet and you're like i fucking know i don't have the item to deal with that yet so you get like a bean that'll let you grow plants that you can spring off of to fly high in the air you get like the ability to swim you get some magic spells that you can cast and but i feel like for the most part outside of I mean, maybe I'd argue that the healing items are just a little bit cluttered because it seems to be like six or seven, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, oh, and for the love of Christ, and this is far from the only game that does this. Why can't, like, every game ever made should let you buy in bulk. Fuck it. And, like, in this game, you can't even go up to, like, when you go into a store and you want to buy, say you're out of herbs, you want to buy nine magical herbs, you can't even pick it up one at a time and then be like, I'll buy this one, I'll buy this one, I'll buy this one. You have to pick one up, walk over to the cashier, throw it on the counter, then you'll buy it. Then walk over to the one on the rack, pick it up, walk over to the cashier, throw it on the ground. That's a problem with so many games. It fucking drives me crazy. Just let you buy in bulk. God damn it. Uh, but for the most part, I like the inventory system. It's not super cluttered, and that's a good thing. I like that. I like less is more. I hate when I'm constantly pausing my game and having to swap out my items. Like Link's Awakening, fuck that drove me up the wall. And this one, you do have quite a few items you can swap in and out. But I found myself very rarely, like I would say, eighty percent of the game, I just had my weapon equipped to the square button or whatever, and then my uh, bomb equipped to the circle button. Like about eighty percent of the game, which was really nice. Uh, the combat feels good. Um, it's a little boring. I would. I, the problem is, and this is something Timmy and I talked about a little bit as well. It feels good. Like the 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 mechanics of it, you can tell when you make contact with your weapon. It feels nice. It looks nice. the The problem I have with the combat in this game is that like. And maybe it's because I didn't go to the Golden Falcon guy to upgrade all my equipment, but like the fucking enemies are damage sponges, particularly the bosses. The bosses in this game, most of them are kind of shit. And I don't, not even bad. They're just kind of boring. Like they're very easy to figure out a pattern to and what you've got to do. They look spectacular. We're going to get into the graphics in a minute. Uh, I'm working my way up from the things I kind of like to the things I like the most. And uh, the the bosses look great, but my God, man, there's some 
it feels like you're fighting them for 20 minutes and you're not even taking any damage or very minimal because you know the pattern. It's just run around, dodge, wait till they do this attack. Run around, dodge, wait till they do And it just gets so... And I'm like, you... I think I said it when I was talking to Timmy. They could have cut the HP of a lot of the bosses in this game in half, not changed anything and just made it more enjoyable because there were several instances where I was just like, for the love... And I was playing this uh, natively on my PlayStation 3. I bought it off the PSN. So I had no save states or anything. Um, and I'd get stuck in the middle of one of these long boss fights or something. And I was like, fuck, I like Molly's waiting to go out or I need to do something. And I'm like, I can't do anything. I got to just pause it and walk away. But in the meantime, I'm just watching like this fucking boss fight is just going fucking forever. So the combat and even some of the regular enemies can take quite a pounding unless you throw bombs at them. Bombs seem to kill everybody in like one hit. But if you just fight the enemies, uh, some, and like, and there's no leveling up. You can pick up life vessels, like crystals to up your health like you would heart pieces in Link to the Past, which is fine. Um, so unless you're hunting, like unless you're grinding for gold, there's really no reason to fight all the enemies unless they're getting in your way or you want to kill them. Uh, and just, boy, they can take a pounding, some of them. So the combat feels great. I just, I wish enemies had a little bit less HP. Uh, so those are the things, the power-ups, the inventory, the combat I kind of like. Getting the stuff I really like, I already said it, but first of all, the graphics in this game. This is re officially replacing Symphony of the Night as my favorite PS2 or PS1 game as far as graphics go. And, um, and Symphony of the Night is still, whether well, I know I've had my differences with that game, but I've never denied that game is just beautiful to look at. I think this one is even more beautiful to look at. This game truly does look like an SNES slash Genesis game on steroids. And I'm all about it. It is just bright and colorful and easy to look at. And the dungeons even, even when you're in like a really dark, dank, oh, the dank mode of dank, even in a dark, dank dungeon, uh, it still looks stunning. And it's a little frustrating when you can't tell what you have to interact with, like I've said, but it looks really really good uh so that's my first point is just everything about it is is great to look at uh it does control pretty well i do find it frustrating like i said when i can't get past like a spike ball and it hits me and knocks me off or or something like that but for the most part it controls really well he alundra runs well like oh my kingdom for a jump button if there's one thing more than anything else that this game does better than a link to the past it's that you can just jump you, and it's like, and it, it, he jumped, he's not a Mario, but he's pretty fucking close. Alundra can jump. And it's so much of the game is based around jumping and climbing up things and stacking things to climb up them and jumping on switches and, and stuff like that. And, uh, very, very rarely did I find the controls to be a problem. The only time I had an issue with that the controls again was when he was trying to get really precise either trying to hug an edge and get by something. Or there's like one part that stands out to me is when you're going through the desert in this game, um, there's a couple instances where you have to run along, like, I guess, it, like, it, like, it looks like the, like, remains of an old village, and you're running along, like, the walls, or whatever, and the walls are basically, like, one block wide, basically as wide as Alundra is, and you're running across them, and it can be very easy to fall off, and it's because it's just, like, it, they might, like, I would have liked to have seen the speed slash sensitivity of the controls just turn down, like, 10%, but for the most part, handles great. Some of the coolest parts of the game are when you're climbing mountains or trying to figure out some of the puzzle platforms, uh, or platform puzzles. There's one dungeon, uh, it's the one for anyone that's played it. It's up in the far Northwest corner and you have to like go around and destroy like three statue heads to get into the dungeon. I can't remember what's in there if it's monkeys or what it was. Um, 
but there's a lot of jumping and stuff to get up there. And I, I really, I, I wish more, frankly, I'll just be, I wish more Zelda games had more of an emphasis on jumping. I am, I'm a jumper. I enjoy jumping. It is just a pastime of mine. And the jumping and stuff in this game is fucking tight. It's really, really cool. Uh, so it controls well. The story is, frankly, I was I was a little bit confused, but I think that's just, I don't know if any of you are like this. I, I think it's the smartphone era. I have a very hard time concentrating now when I play games. As soon as it goes into any kind of cutscene or storyline part, unless I'm like, balls deep into this story and I can't look away that's when I pick up my phone and I you know I'm like oh I wonder if, if that running back on my fantasy team is hurt or you know what I mean or sorry when I do these alone my throat gets really dry uh I find myself looking at my phone more so maybe I missed a couple instances I do like this story quite a bit and just basics if you've not played it when uh Alundra shows up in this village People are dying. People are having these bad dreams. The dreams are fucking them up and stuff like that. And then it turns out Alundra's got the ability to go into their dreams and deal with what's fucking them up in there. And then it turns out there's this bad... What was the bad guy? Melzis? Melzass? <laughs> Melzass? Spellzass? Uh, Melzass was like this bad guy in the game. Um, but all the villagers have been praying to this god... And it turns out the god is this evil Melzass fucking thing. And it basically their prayer... I guess I am spoiling stuff. Their prayers are making Melzass more powerful. Uh, so you eventually have to like stop him and stuff like that. And like people are dying all over the place. Like Timmy said, at one point there's like this little girl that's awesome. Like one of the coolest characters in the game. And then just they, they fucking dead. And it seems like every hour in this game someone else in this village dies and everybody else in the village is like holy fuck who's next now who's gonna die and it's it's a it's a depressing like and it's so i actually feel like the story works really well with the graphics and the art style and the and the music and everything the up-tempo feel of the game it's just funny because like the story is is really dark and kind of it's got some religious undertones and stuff like that but it doesn't it it, it fits and doesn't fit the look and feel of the game at the same time it's so sinister but the game is so happy it's just it's it's like church it's no i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that i know some of you like church i'm just joking um but anyway yeah uh so i really like the story i thought the writing was really good some people have said there's some issues with the translation i didn't run into too many problems with the translation my problem with the story was like i was saying earlier i just had a very hard time uh keeping track of who was who like there's so many names and there were a couple instances where I just couldn't like they would. Oh man. I can't even remember who the fuck Nace. I can't remember who the person's name is now, but there's like a guy that lives in this like giant mansion beach house down underneath this like South of the village. And, uh, there's one point in the game where a couple of points in the game where they'll say like, Hey, go talk to so-and-so. And one of them was this guy. And I ran around for like half an hour talking to everyone in the village. Cause I, was like, I don't know who the fuck you I'm bad with names in real life. You've all heard me try to pronounce names. I'm terrible with names. And I'm running around this village trying to figure out who the fuck this person is. And finally I look it up and I'm like, Oh, it's not even in the village. It's that fucking mansion South of the village. That's where I had to go. So that was where I found problems with this story. Other than that, I thought the story was really good. I got to say, man, I love the idea, uh, that some of the dungeons are just physical dungeons in the game. You're going to a cave, you're going to an old mine shaft, you're going to a temple, you're going to whatever. But then some of the dungeons in the game aren't on the overworld at all. They're just people's dreams. And I thought those were such creative dungeons that you could go into someone's dream and uh, sometimes you'd interact with them or with other people from the game, but it's the dream versions of them. There's one where I think it's the coolest dungeon in the game. 
there's one where there's like a pair of, I think they're twins, brother, siblings. I think they're brothers, but there's these two and you have to go into one of their dream, but then the other one's dream is kind of connected to it. So whatever you do in one dream will impact what you do in the other dream. It's hard to explain without you playing it, but I thought it was the most clever dungeon uh, in the game. And as you know, I'll be honest, as much as I adore Link to the Past, on the whole, I prefer the dungeons from Alundra to the dungeons from Link to the Past. I think there's things about Link to the Past I like better, but I, I enjoyed the dungeons in this one more, especially the dream ones. I thought they were so fucking cool. Tons of puzzles, some of which I found annoying as I ranted about earlier, some of which are fucking brilliant. Uh, I, yeah, I and I love puzzle. I, I wish there, frankly, there were times when I'd go into a dungeon and there'd be very little emphasis on the puzzles and more emphasis on fighting and dealing damage and dealing with enemies and stuff. And I'd be like, I wish you were putting more of an emphasis on the the puzzles because I think the puzzles are the funnest part of the game. So some of the puzzles are fucking rad. Uh, oh, on the note of the writing too, I wanted to say, I, I think some of the writing in this game is fucking hilarious. Considering it's such a deep, dark game, there's some really... Jess or whatever the fuck... Who the fuck is the guy that's... I'm positive his name is Jess. The guy that saves you at the very beginning whose house you're staying in. Uh, he had a, he had a line right near the very beginning of the game that just really tickled my fancy. It's when Alundra first wakes up and you're laying in the bed in this guy's house and he comes in and he's like, Oh man, you're lucky you survived that shipwreck. I don't think there were any other survivors and blah, 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 and all that, you know, that kind of stuff. And then he goes, uh, uh, you're welcome to stay here as long as you want. He's like, because once you leave, I just go back to being a lonely old fat man. Or something like that. And I just, I don't know. It's, it just really made me chuckle. Some of the writing. The mayor's kid is always running around the town just being a little shit. And every time you talk to him, no matter how much good you do, he just tells you to fuck off, basically. Every time you talk to him. And I was like, I'll fucking kill you in your sleep, you little turd. Literally, I'll kill you in your fucking sleep. Um, oh, because that's the other thing that's really cool. Is they always warn you. And obviously, oh, well, I'm not going to say it does or doesn't happen. It doesn't. I guess I am. By saying obviously, I guess I'm giving it away. It doesn't happen. But every time you go into someone's nightmare, they warn you that like when you go in there, if they die in their sleep, you're not coming out. You die with them, which I thought was just, I just really, really enjoyed the writing of this game. I, I thought like, fuck, I, I'll, I'll go as far as to say, I, I mean, I guess stupid Majora's Mask has a story, but like a lot of Zelda games, well, fun, this story is you know, I, and listen, I don't need to, Mario's my favorite franchise ever. And the story in Mario games is almost non-existent. So I don't need a good story to play your game. If it's fun, I can get past it. But I think Alundra's got some of the best writing in a game that I've played in a long fucking time. Uh, so I love the writing. I love the graphics. I love the dungeons. Um, very cool, very cool game. I'd never heard of this game. And based on the comments I saw from you, a lot of you, haven't heard of it either. And this is a game that is fucking crying to be re-released on PS Plus on the PS5. And I wish Sony would start adding more retro games to their PS Plus library because like this is one I think I think this game would find a second audience. I think this game is considered a bit of a cult classic. Uh like Timmy said, it's it's you know, very niche title, not everybody knows it. Uh and I and I truly in my heart think that more of you would be fans of this game if you'd had a chance to play it. I would have. Like, I, admittedly, while I was playing... Oh, and I wanted to say, uh, when I got... Oh, the bosses. I want... Oh, God, I'm all over the map now. So, a couple of things. Number one, my favorite boss in the game is probably the Fire Dragon. Uh, it's the boring... Frankly, it's it maybe not the boringest boss fight in the game, but top two or three. 
Awesome looking fucking boss though. Timmy mentioned that water boss, another very cool looking boss that was just kind of, the bosses are boring. They're so nice to look at, but the fights fucking suck. Uh, if you're wondering if I beat it, I did not. It took me forever to get through that, fi that final temple. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that just kept going. Huh? That game, that fucking temple goes forever, but it's fun. It's not a boring temple. Uh, but then you finally get to the final boss fight and I got through the first phase and then the second phase fed me my lunch. And I admittedly, I'm just at that point in my life, I'm that age where I'm like, you know what? I am not going back through your little treasure trove of treasure to find the treasure that I need to beat this boss. I'm looking up the ending and I'm fucking done. It's the same goddamn thing. I don't need the satisfaction. Once I've gone to a walkthrough, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything anyways. And to be honest, I guess that would be my biggest... No, I well, I guess it's kind of like my biggest criticism is I got lost too much. And that turned me to a walkthrough. And I, I just don't know. We we gave Secret of Mana shit for it and said we really liked that game. But I found it was almost impossible to beat without a walkthrough. I feel the same way about Alundra. I really like it. But it's I think it's definitely... You, you either need to have the patience of a saint, a lot of time, or a walkthrough on hand to play through this game. Because you are going to get lost or you're going to get stuck. Dude, the very first puzzle. I was stuck on this puzzle fucking forever. You run across... There's two bridges... And each one has a switch at the beginning. And then these blocks fall from the sky and you can't get past them. And I'm like, so do I jump on the switch and run? Do I have to go back and flip other switches to change these switches? And then finally I looked it up and it's almost like an original Super Mario Brothers Bowser's Castle puzzle where you just have to figure out like go across the top bridge, jump down to the bottom bridge, jump back up to the top bridge. And I felt stupid afterwards, but I was like, I see that's like this game does not hold your hand. There are no hints when it comes to a lot of the puzzles and a lot of the exploration. You either figure it out or you get fucked. And that's where the walkthrough comes in. So I don't even know if that's a fair criticism because it might just be that I'm stupid. But I did find it a little bit confusing at times. I got lost a few times. My goddamn kingdom for an overworld map. But it looks stunning. The, the story is great. The puzzles are quite clever. Plays pretty well. It's very charming. Uh, it's a good video game. It is... I don't know if I would say it's in like my top 10 PS1 games. Uh, I But the thing, you know what's funny about that though? I'll sit here and say it's not in my top 10 PS1 games, but had I owned it as a teenager and had I played it like crazy in high school and, and searched through every nook, nook and cranny for every goddamn golden bird statue and then actually figured out what the fuck to do with them and stuff like that, I think it probably would be. If I had the nostalgic ties, like it's a good game. It just... My backlog is getting so long and I'm watching the fucking timer getting counting up toward 40 hours and I'm like, I gotta, I'm done. I gotta fucking get this done. Like, stop, stop getting me fucking lost. Uh, if you've never played it, it is available. I believe it's on the PS Vita because it is available on the PS3, on the PSN. It's like five bucks. Uh, hopefully, eventually it get added to PS Plus because I don't believe it's been re-released anywhere since the PSN and the PS3 classics as of now. Uh, if you are going to play it, I highly recommend... Well... Ah, whatever. I'll just fucking say it. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I would kind of recommend uh, emulating it and having save states. Um, I hate to say that because... I feel like maybe if everybody bought it, they would see that, oh, there's still a market for this. It'd be earthbound and, and it would come back. But I don't think... I mean, Sony just... I'm not trying to be fanboy here, but like Sony just does not give a flying fuck about backwards compatibility. And I don't think 
selling a bunch of copies of this on the PS3 on the PSN, which is fucking difficult to do now. I tried to buy this on my PS3 and I had to go in through my computer and then I had to order a fucking PlayStation store card for 10 bucks, wait for that code to show up, scratch it or put the code into my computer on my PlayStation account to add credits to my PS3 so that I could buy the game. And they're making it as hard as humanly possible to buy these old games. So I don't even care if you go out and buy it because I don't think that Sony's going to pay any fucking attention anyway. Uh, I think this game would be best experienced with safe states because there are instances where you can, be, you can go quite a while. Uh, every dungeon has got a save point in it and some of them are very quick to get to and some of them are not. And then on the overworld, I may be wrong, but the, I, I want to say the only save state or the save point in the overworld is back in your village. The book by your bed. Maybe there's more and I'm just not thinking of them. There's not many though. Uh, so you you can end up very easily falling into a hole where you go an hour or two uh, without the ability to save. So if you've got the ability to play with save states, I highly recommend it just for your sanity's sake. But more importantly, if you ever have the chance to play it, uh, yeah, I it's good. It's a it's good. It's it's not perfect. Can be frustrating. Um, it's a it's a good. It, it what it comes down to and i've talked about this countless times it is not a cheap quickly made cash in video game this is and i think they could have done that i think they could have taken the zelda likenesses they used and just been like hey we made playstation zelda and fucking sold it and probably made i mean they didn't make a ton of money with it um but i think they could have done that and been okay but that's not this this is a very solidly made heartfelt passion filled video game that I, I was quite uh, quite happy with we're scoring it out of 1997 so out of 1997 I'd probably give it in around that like 1650 like I'd probably give it about a 7.5 um, couple instances where it started maybe mad I'd still rather play Link to the Past that might just be nostalgia to it uh, but it's, it's, uh, I'm glad I've, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever play it again, but I'm glad I played it. And I highly recommend that if you ever get a chance, you check it out. All right. Don't, don't make me the only lonely old fat man that played it. If you know what I'm saying. Oh, cause that's the thing. Jess always says, you know what I'm saying? Which I, I say sometimes anyway, uh, good stuff. Good game. I am going to queue up some Melungeon tunes now. And then when they stop, I'll do the outro and yell, yell at patrons. You guys know how it works. Uh, but great game. Good stuff. Shout out to Alundra. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Timmy, you exuberant fucking turtle, who's not even the original. That man is the real Timmy the Exuberant Turtle. Shadow Timmy gets that reference. Uh, but Timmy, thank you so much for bringing this game to my attention and for your generosity and supporting the show by sponsoring this episode. And thank you for convincing me to play it because I, I quite enjoyed it. And uh, to every single one of you hot dogs right now, whether this was your first Remember the Game or your 226th, thank you so much for giving me a chance and listening to my show. I very, very much appreciate it. Uh, if you want more of these... You know what? Patreon.com slash remember the game. Two bucks a month gets you two shows a week. Five bucks a month gets you three extra shows a week. And access to hundreds of bonus podcasts instantly available right there on your phone. No ads. Probably the best value in the history of the universe. Our Patreon grows every month. I'm very grateful to everybody. Plus, don't forget, if you sign up for a year, you get the 12th month free. And 5% of our Patreon gets donated to charity. So I will be topping up. 
uh, our extra life campaign at the end of December with anything we made this month, uh, which we fucking, we raised over $20,000 this year for the Stollery and a big children's hospital here in Edmonton. And a big part of that was uh, our Patreons because part of this goes to them. So you get a ton of podcasts. I get to keep my lights on. The kids get the medicine they need. It's just really a triple, a trifecta of wins. It's wins all around. Uh, so yeah, do that if you want more of these. Uh, and if you didn't hate this, maybe leave us a nice review. I ask for them. Some of you leave them. I don't know what they do, but they make me feel good. And apparently they matter. So I'll ask you to just leave a good review if you didn't hate it. And don't forget, you can check me out over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash member the game. I'm there pretty well just whenever I feel like it. Uh, but don't forget this Thursday night, I will be live streaming the game awards and reacting to them and chatting with you guys about whatever happens. My throat is getting very dry, but it sure would be nice if you came by and swung, uh, said hi and uh, watched some of the Game Awards with me. And finally, don't forget to check out Timmy's YouTube channel. You can find a link to that in the description of this very podcast. All right, that's going to do it for episode 226. I'm going to thank some patrons and get out of here. I'll be back tomorrow for all of you patrons with Expansion Pass 140, which will be my spoiler-free review of Sonic Frontiers. Game Patch will be going live on Friday where we'll break down the Game Awards and anything else that's happened in the world of gaming. And I'll be back next week with a whole nother slab of podcasts, including Remember the Game number 227, which will be about a freebious Patreon poll winner in Ape Escape for the PlayStation 1. Really good fucking game. I'm looking forward to that one. All right? I'm going to thank some patrons and get out of here. Thanks a lot, everybody. I'll talk to you on the next one. Cheers. Goodbye. Excuse me. Remember the game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not puke up all the content I come up. I do not. How have I not? 226 of these. I could not puke up all the content I turn out every week. There it is. Without all of your support. The following people are at the senior executive vice president level or higher at patreon.com slash remember the game. And while I have a feeling this one's going to be pretty ugly, I'm contractually obligated to rip through all their names as quickly as humanly possible. So a huge thank you to Makeshift Mallow, Magic Money, Joe Buck, Sharonic, Andre, Amanda Hugging Kiss, King Bahamut, Dave McGee, DNA Gaming, Slick Rick, Doug Doran, Chris Fleury, Charlie Medeiros, Andrew Wright, Jordan, Fraser Burns, Angry Ticks, Dave Thompson, no one cares. Aaron Lawson, Nathan Trombley, A Town, Morgan, Zane Donovan, Ryan Kinchin, Mike Maloney, G9PSX, Mercury869, Wolfgang Darren, Sam Wright, Andy Hudson, Doogie, Wolf Magic 21, Johnny CCDC, Joe LeBlanc, Squints, Titan420, Zonko504, Russell Aldridge, Jet Bergeron, Captain N, OT Plays Games, Too Tired for Life, Tunable Power, John Woodruff, Randy Barrage, Just a Fish, DP Pooper, Denzalo, Holmes, Zach Shepard, Chris Dickin, Matthew D'Amico, FrostyFeet492, Triple, Elijah or pardon me chugger 22 elijah burns there it is steven parnell ray san Wantonga, dbxj jameer williams steve dalk phil mccracken again mizuru nicholas chaffee david marcus phil lencher ruben elizald eric james jake carter c-spin thomas smith nicola munch makuchi leroy westrich Derry the 3d printed sawstrich russell evolva sean ramos db cooper stud still smash mojo the helper monkey brant gabe dan fuselman fuzzy 99 decoy man john jameson wyatt the surgeon who's not a surgeon row blaine the hoagie man's Gary Terry, Bucky the Beagle, Bucky the Beagle Herder, Edridge FPV, Hago Waffle, High Plains Drifter, KH, Jimothy, Joe Stone, Chris Williams, Oroku Saki's Gardener, Cody Richardson, Dead Boys on the Roof, Current, Remember the Game Hall of Famer, Mark McHugh, James Juan Francesco, John of the Adult Children Podcast, Matt Hamilton, Nomad, Devin, Daniel Devour, fuck, I suck at this job, James Black, Drugs of Bad MK, Sam Carpenter, Nerdy Hybrid, Adam Fletcher, Colin Bollinger, Pinball Mage, Joey Mercury, Theoran, Squeak Nuts, Isaias, Timmy the Exuberant Turtle, Brian Neese, Christian Gabriel, Maverick Marty, Musty Beetle, Bud Lightyear, Phil 
Bilbao, Bil Beef Dingleberry, Hitchy Poo, Arctic Vision, Bulmacimp, Mark but not McHugh, Trevor McKee, Quiet Place Queen, Cam Nelly 23, Zemato, Skillerooney, Lugnut, Oh My God It Froze, Bobby Litton, Brandon DeZeba, Roger Russell, Kia Pup, Works For Me, McGrathen, James Senabria, Derek Cox, Dakota Guy, Alexander Camps, Toad Spit, Ryan Perry, Alex R, It's the Bigfoot, Graham, Michi Nutsaru, Mr. Papa Giorgio, John Drew, Solomon Soto, Darth Skywalter, Denton Van Zandt, Postman, West Gent, Nick Creature, Hattrick Swayze, Adam Martinet, Naf E, Dr. Nightmare 23, Tone Bone Swiss, Kevin Monroe, The Stone Shooter, Shorzy, Lord Longrod, Von Hugen, Hugen Dong II, and Max Sainton. That was not as bad as I thought, but not as good as I'm capable. That was about the same. Uh, thank you all so much, everybody, if you made it this far. Talk to you on the next one. Purple Monkey Dishwasher. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> what?